The concept of retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA, founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent practice with securities offered through Raymond James Inc., member FINRA SIPC. He's here to help you develop a better way of managing your money. This is Retire While You Work. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work, and you can hear us every Sunday at 5 p.m. on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Thanks for tuning in, as always. You can also uh, go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question via the contact button or give us a call anytime at 615-435-3644 during the week. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to answer your question. Now, Today's show is going to be focused on how we here at Retire While You Work approach wealth management and why it's important to have that balance of a good financial plan all while balancing retiring early while you work and figuring out a way to uh, to make that happen and to find ways to enjoy life's experiences and not just uh, not just the, the day-to-day grind. And so that's our focus here on the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. How do you build a financial plan that helps you accomplish that? Also in the studio today, we have Siobhan Farler, who's one of our wealth managers and also the COO of our practice in the 12th South area. Hello, Siobhan. Hey, David. I'm really excited about today's show, about really diving into some meat of wealth management, some financial planning, and how to enjoy life as we go. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Well, good. I'm glad you're excited. Um, and you're also going to be, we have some questions this week from our listeners. Is that right? Yes. We have some emails. We've gotten some call-ins, some really good questions to kind of put you on your toes today and see what type of answers you're going to come All up right, with. Good. I'm pretty I'll, excited. I'll stretch out. I'm ready to go. And then <laughs> we also can't forget our popular segment, Know Your Dough, where we're going to ask Siobhan and Jimmy, our producer, some uh, some random questions and test their knowledge. Always, always a little entertaining. I love that. Show. I think it's fun. So, now let's go ahead and get started. If you've uh, if you've been listening to the show regularly, and if you have, thank you. Then you know the passion that we have for really changing the conversation about how retirement is viewed in this country. We don't want to see you or any of our clients or really any of us working ourselves ragged until we're sixty or sixty-five or whatever that magic age is that society's painted the picture for, and then retire thinking that only then can we enjoy life once we uh, reach that stage. Instead, we'd much rather see all of us enjoy a more balanced lifestyle, finding a way to live life while we work, retire while you work, if you will. And it doesn't have to be either or. There truly is a way to accomplish both. And after being a financial advisor for over 15 years, I've really seen a movement in this direction where people are really challenging the status quo of you know, working in the same job for 40 years, saving every penny, and then all of a sudden saying, now we can travel. And so that's uh, that's something that, or spend time with family, and um, you know it's something that's that's changing. And there's a there's a real hunger um, where people in this country are more focused on enjoying life's experiences along the way. And so we're excited to be a part of that movement and really talking about how do you build a financial plan that accomplishes that? Because a lot of times they seem like two totally different things. How are you going to retire? And have enough money saved if you don't if you're out traveling and spending money and you almost seem polar opposites. Right. And our in our business, I think in a lot of ways does a poor job of explaining that. And it's very linear and it's very much, hey, you have to save every penny you have into retirement or you're not gonna have two million dollars and you're not gonna be able to retire. Right. And you're just gonna be eating cheese and crackers if you don't stay on this path. All right. And, and life doesn't work that way. It it doesn't, and, and there's an element of truth to 
being a good steward of your money and making sure that you do have a financial plan. But Siobhan, we've talked about this on the show. We've seen people retire with a couple hundred thousand dollars at 65, and we've seen those with 10, 20 million bucks that still weren't able to retire or felt like they weren't able to retire. Yes. So it's not some magic number. Um, now, all right. So I think it's safe to say that Siobhan and I, we can totally nerd out when it comes to financial planning. And we know everyone doesn't necessarily have the same passion that we do for it, but. What? You mean everyone doesn't love numbers the way we do? Well, fortunately not. <laughs> fortunately not. We need people with personalities out there. Just, <laughs> oh, jeez. Just kidding. Thanks. That's not. You can have both, right? You can have you can love numbers and have a personality. Now, we're going to keep this as simple as possible uh, because we want to really do, we want to start with the foundation first. Now, you know, we tell clients you can't build a house without a foundation, and this is really true with financial planning too. So what is that foundation? Well, that's what we hear at Retire While You Work, and in our practice, we call bucket one. Now, it sounds very simple, but we're going to talk about three buckets, bucket one, two, and three. Yes, very sophisticated, I know. Yes, we had lots of schooling and went into bucket one, But two, honestly, three. Siobhan, of all the you know, times we've sounded, tried to sound really smart, and we've talked about alphas and betas and standard deviations and all these financial jargon that we've learned that, that have their place, the thing we nerded out, right? Yeah, the things that <laughs> stuck the most were clients will come into our office with selling a business for three million bucks, and they'll say, "Hey, does this go in bucket two or bucket three, or what, where, where does it go?" It's just the simple language that everyone, no matter where your sophistication level is, no matter what you understand about money or not understand about money, everybody gets bucket one, two, and three, and right. it's just it doesn't a, discriminate nope. based on the amount of. You can have a hundred thousand or a hundred million. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> yep, that's true. And then each of the buckets, we we break down those buckets, and they become they have different layers and that sort of thing. So let's let's talk about it. So bucket one, this is your emergency fund. This is generally speaking, you know, call it three to six months worth of uh, just good old fashioned cash. So this could be a savings account or a money market account, something at the bank. Um, three to six months expenses. Now, why? Well, let's say you lose your job or let's say, you know, we're here in Nashville, we work with a lot of songwriters. So you're in the music business, you have a number one that lasts you for five or six months. And now you have a period where you, you don't have anything on the charts and there's no money coming in. And so maybe you need three or four, three, four months um, to kind of bridge the gap. And you don't want it. You certainly don't want to have to go and yank out all your money out of your 401k or on no, retirement. No. So three to six months expenses are just a general rule of thumb that you want to have in this emergency fund. Um, now we get this all the time. Now, David Siobhan, the cash is just sitting there. It's not doing anything. This is ridiculous. Why is it just sitting in the bank? We've got $25,000 doing nothing. Well, that's right. It's just sitting there, but it's not not doing anything. Double, ne- double <laughs> negative intended there. It is doing something. Siobhan, what's the cash doing? It's protecting you from Murphy. I assume you mean Murphy's Law there, Yes, right? yes. Well, yeah, exactly. I agree with that. I mean, something something in life is always going to happen. It's flat tire, a sick child, someone's losing a job, something's going to happen. And this three to six months of expenses, an emergency fund covers these things. And in most cases, it'll cover something like an HVAC unit or a new roof or new water heater, which, of course, always happens at the same time. Very, very important. That's bucket one. Now, we're about to go to our first break. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, and we're talking about wealth management, building a financial plan that plays into the Retire While You Work philosophy, specifically talking about the three buckets of money that we talk to all of our clients about here in our practice. When we come back, more along those lines.
Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And I'm here in studio with Siobhan Farlow from my office. And Siobhan and I were talking about before the break um, the three buckets of money that we've talked about for over a decade now with all of our clients and also plays right into the Retire While You Work philosophy as far as how are you going to build a financial plan that can put you um, you know, put you in the best um, best position to retire while you work, and part of that is having these three buckets. Now, let's let's talk more about bucket one. We were starting with bucket one, which we labeled as the emergency fund. Typically, that's three to six months worth of expenses. But there's also uh, there's also a, another thing to consider with bucket one. So we asked this question to all of our clients, and it's, what is your sleep at night number? Now, um, this is where it's 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 more than just saying three to six months. That's a great place to start. But, it, you know, there's a lot of times for somebody, there's a certain number, certain amount of money in the bank sitting there in cash that makes it easier for them to sleep at night. Now, let's say that three to six months expenses for you equates to, you know, $3,000. Um, let's say you need $3,000 a month to live on um, or $6,000 a month and you want six months of expenses. That's $36,000. But you still feel pretty nervous with only $36,000 in the bank. And so we'll have clients say, you know, I, I get that my emergency fund should only be $30,000, $36,000, whatever, but $50,000, I feel a lot better and I sleep a little bit better at night. Well, guess what? Bucket one should be $50,000. Makes it's, complete sense. Yeah, it's not It's not set in stone. It's finding that balance um, where it's enough to cover an emergency, but it's also not so much that it's just sitting there doing nothing. Now, there are times, though, where when talking to clients that their sleep at night number may be one hundred and fifty thousand, or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right. or even more. We've heard people say, "I just, unless I have half a million bucks in the bank, I'm nervous." Now, that's not right or wrong, but this is where having a um, a wealth manager, a team like what we do here at Retire While You Work or David Adams Wealth Group, this is why it's so important. There does come a point where you can have too much money in bucket one. And that excess can fund help fu uh, fund bucket two, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So um, it doesn't mean that $250,000 is a bad thing to have as far as cash in the bank. But if you're doing that out of fear um, and you don't have a financial plan and, and bucket two and three are empty and all your money's sitting in cash, that's extremely out of balance in our opinion. And that's where we It goes can back help. to the whole balance of your life and your finances, everything together. It right. all kind of ties together. Right. Now, oddly enough, after filling bucket one, we, we usually talk about bucket three next. We, we skipped bucket three because bucket three is your retirement accounts. These are things like your 401k, Roth IRAs, your traditional IRAs, your SEP IRAs, all the accounts that you can't touch typically until after age 59 and a half. Why 59 and a half? I have no idea. Thank you, government. <laughs> you got a 70 and a half with uh, an, another part of the tax code. Makes no sense. But that half year is very important, apparently. To but, the IRS. Um, but I digress there. So retirement accounts are bucket three. And these are the, the last accounts in a portfolio, in our opinion, that you should really ever touch or access if you need money. So you have your money in bucket one that's totally accessible. It's sitting in cash. Bucket three is long-term money. It's retirement money. You can't touch it to your 59 and a half. But generally speaking, these uh, accounts, they, they have the longest time frame because they're the last um, that you're going to tap into. Um, and a lot of times it's because there's certain tax advantages and benefits that you get. So there's a, that, that's the advantage of funding bucket three. But you have to think of it as illiquid. 
It's not money that you want to think about using in the near term. If you're 35 and you put you have $100,000 in your 401k, that needs to be out of sight, out of mind. You're not touching it at least until you're 59 and a half. And if you do, there's penalties and taxes, okay? Yuck. Um, now, these are just we're just talking, these are generic rules of thumb, but I'm trying to frame kind of what a basic financial plan looks like. Um, and there's a wide range of accounts that fall into bucket three, um, but that's that's kind of what bucket three is. Bucket three is retirement. Now, okay. Now, why do we approach wealth management from this perspective? Now, we are, with both of us doing wealth management for over a decade, I can say that we have truly discovered, and we talked about this a little before the break, whether you have $30,000 or $30 million, you know, what to do with your money can sometimes be very overwhelming and daunting. And there are so many different types of accounts, types of investment vehicles and asset classes, and that many people throw their hands up in the air um, and just start really, I mean, a lot of ways they start throwing money at a dartboard, hoping that uh, when they get to retirement, they've hit the bullseye and they'll have enough. I mean, yeah. we've had people say, you know, say, what's your financial plan? It's one of the first questions we ask. Yes. And they just laugh and they say, well, they put their, they lick their finger and hold it up <laughs> in the air. We hope that, uh, you know, hope that the ship's going to arrive to the right place when it's time. And um, that's not a great financial plan, but it's 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 a start, and it's why we do this. So let me say this: first of all, hire a wealth manager. I mean, you don't go and do your own heart surgery. I mean, why would you manage your own money? Go to an expert. Hire us, or hire somebody like us. Um, you need you need a team that can explain through all of the the mumbo jumbo, the standard <laughs> deviations, alpha betas, all that stuff that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, or at least at least you know, or break it down in bucket one, two, and three. Something really whatever simple. it is that gives you the comfort level that you can stick to a plan, and you have to have a certain trust level and respect level, and um, have someone that listens to you and that you can understand the lingo, and they're not talking over your head now. Um, we've and, and that happens a lot in our business, unfortunately. Now we've found that the bucket approach is really the easiest way to understand where your money is and how it's working for you. So, um, you know, it, again, doesn't matter if you have thirty thousand or thirty thirty million dollars. The process is really the same. It's kind of like an onion. An onion is an onion, no matter how many layers it has. A thirty million dollar uh, portfolio may have more layers. Um, but it still has one bucket, one, two, and three. Absolutely, it, but the process doesn't change. So. Um, now, before the break, we were discussing bucket one is your emergency fund, your sleep at night bucket, and it, it really protects you from Murphy's Law, all the things that could happen, car breaks down, that sort of thing. And then we just talked about bucket three, that's your retirement account, money you can't touch to your 59 and a half. And if you, withdraw, if you take out that money before 59 and a half, the IRS will typically ding you with a 10% penalty plus taxes. So don't do this if at Ooh. all possible. Um, now, this bucket can have a, have a lot of depth to it. We're going to talk really... Um, in generic terms, again, for a minute about uh, bucket three. If you're working for a company, you may be eligible to participate in their 401k. Typically, companies will match something. You know, from our experience, we've seen most companies will match up to 3%, but this isn't always the case. It's changed quite a bit as uh, companies cut back on different things, but 3% is kind of a standard. Just like there's no longer pensions are getting harder and harder to oh, yeah. have. They're yeah. pretty much a dinosaur. I mean, if you if you have a pension nowadays, I mean... Tell me where because I want to go and find more clients. Pensions. It makes financial planning a lot easier. Um, but no matter what the amount is, if your company's match, keep in mind that the company is giving you money. This is huge. Take advantage of this free money. Free money. Um, the maximum amount that someone can contribute to a four hundred one k it's around eighteen thousand dollars. Unless you're over fifty, then it's 
I think it's an extra $6,000 or so, so around $24,000 for 2017, according to the IRS. Um, and then, you know, sometimes the 401k can be subdivided where your contribution can go in after tax and grow tax-free. This is called a Roth 401k. Um, but you'll want to find out from your company um, or your accountant or somebody, or your financial planner, to see if, you even, if you're even allowed to have a portion or if you should have a portion going into the Roth. Um, and then again, the company's portion that they're giving you for free, um, this, this is this is a big deal. Um, it's it's free money. You get a tax deduction by putting money in, and then they're putting money in on top of it. So where else can you go and invest ten dollars, get a get a three dollar match, and then save three or four dollars on taxes? Pretty powerful. And of course, the big trade off is is this money becomes long term money. It's now in bucket three, and you can't touch it uh, till you're fifty nine and a half. But you want to do it. So. Um, so what about those people who work for themselves, are self-employed, and, and uh, don't work for a 401k? Yep, great question, Siobhan. It's almost, uh, sometimes it's almost as if you know what I'm about to say next. You steal my thunder. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, We've just been working together no, so long. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's good. Um, so if you work for yourself, the IRS created something called a self-employed IRA, a SEP IRA. And this was really, um, this is really this, like a 401k for somebody working at a company. It allows someone self-employed to have this option. And you can contribute up to about $54,000 or 25% of your income. 54000 Wow. Yeah. Whichever is less. Um, and that amount is uh, tax deductible. Um and so something you definitely want to do or take advantage of, even if you can't do all of it, do part of it, because it's, it is a pure tax deduction that you're getting, and there's not a lot of pure tax deductions as a business owner. Um, so we want to take that into account. And again, that's part of bucket three. When we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit about bucket two to kind of finish out the three-bucket philosophy for Retire While You Work. Then we're going to play a little trivia and answer some of our listener questions that we've received throughout the week. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio. 1510 WLAC. Back in a few. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. I'm here in studio today with a partner from my office, Siobhan Farler. Hello, Siobhan. Hey, David. Well, I'm glad to be here today. Well, good. We've been talking a little bit about the three buckets of money approach that we, uh, in all of our client meetings in our office, we always do our first meeting talking about the three buckets of money. Uh, we talk here on Retire While You Work about the three buckets of money. They become a very important part of um, our philosophy and our yes. approach with clients. As simple as it sounds, they can certainly, we can dive deeper and get a little more complex. Um, but we always start with kind of the big picture. And what we've talked about so far in the show is bucket one and three. Bucket one is the emergency fund. It's the sleep at night money, three to six months of expenses. We hit that pretty hard in the first segment. And then we talked about bucket three, which is the retirement bucket. And Siobhan, you mentioned how there are a ton of layers to bucket three, whether it's IRAs, 401ks, that sort of thing. Yeah, we were talking about that over the break. Yeah, we could do an entire show just on bucket three, but we'll we'll digress there. And, and I want to hit on something um, you know, bucket two, which is what we call the middle bucket. And it's really, I know it's both of our favorite because it's the one that, you know, we feel it can, it can really potentially change people's lives. It's a lot of Absolutely. ways it's the retire while you work bucket. It is the, you know, the financial flexibility bucket. There's, it's all the other things that are not emergencies and not retirements. So, yes. It's the one where you can really change your entire financial kind of family tree, so to speak. Absolutely. And because it's, it, it's the one that provides you choices. Yep. It's where you start to accumulate true wealth, um, and so, so now let's say if, if if bucket one is um, 
it covers life for the next three to six months, and bucket three is retirement. Bucket two is everything in life between six months, the kind of the now, the emergency period, and retirement. It's it's and that's a big that's a big gap, and so. Um, that's a lot of life in there. Absolutely. Um, bucket two is the most flexible bucket. This bucket can go anywhere and do anything. It's kind of like an SUV. It's not a truck. It's not a car. It's kind of something in the middle. It can carry a lot of stuff. Um, bucket bucket two can replenish bucket one if you drain bucket one. So let's say you have $30,000 in your emergency fund and you spend 20 of that on a new roof and an AC okay. and you're feeling a little nervous like our emergency funds down in kind of it's only 10000 bucks. We feel a little nervous. Well, we've got three hundred thousand dollars sitting in this middle bucket. We can take twenty grand, replenish bucket one, and a lot of times people will feel like their plan is back in place. Because you're not going to tap bucket three, especially if you're younger than fifty nine and a half, like you were talking about, to replenish your emergency fund because you'll have the ten percent tax and other miscellaneous. Right. Yeah, taxes exactly. From- in that example, you wouldn't want to pull twenty thousand out of your four hundred one k to put it back in your checking account at the bank. You'd want to take it from bucket two. But if you don't have bucket two, this is where people get in a bind and they end up ravaging their 401k and paying. Kind of what them. happened in 2008? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so bucket two, this could be, this is money when we talk to clients about they want to quit working at 50 or they want to start their dream job or open their own business. This is money. We, we're too, too, it's too, uh, too soon to tap out of bucket three. So we, we don't want to pull hundred grand to start a business out of bucket three and pay half of that in taxes and penalty. But what if maybe for the last 10 years, we've saved up 200 grand in bucket two, and now we can use that as a down payment on a business, or we can, you know, lease a building and go ahead and buy some inventory and start right. a, start a business through good planning. So maybe it's uh, starting a new business. It can be things like paying for college for kids, starting college accounts. We throw that into bucket two. Um, Sometimes you've thrown real estate, uh, yep. different real uh, rental properties. And rental so forth. properties, yep. Rental properties are part of bucket two. Saving for a, a child's wedding or your own wedding, vacations, cars, second homes putting an addition on the home. All of these life experiences between now and when you retire, which again is a lot, needs to be accounted for in bucket two. And so typically- Like an epic vacation Jimmy was talking about earlier um, on a break as well. Like that would be from bucket two. Absolutely. A trip to a trip to Europe and you want to save five, 10,000 bucks. Um, you don't necessarily want to spin down your bucket one emergency fund. Maybe you plan for that for six months or a year and you save it in bucket two. And so when it's time for the trip- you're ready to go. And so, um, and you mentioned 2008, and this is a bucket where choices are made. Um, and in 2008, so many people we saw, in fact, nearly all of the financial plans that we heard about that were wrecked or that didn't go well were because they didn't have bucket two. And so they ended up, um, people lost their jobs. No surprise in 2008. And bucket one, the emergency fund could only help for a while, maybe three to six months. Then there was a mortgage fallout, and people's houses were now worth less than what they owed. So they couldn't tap into the home and get a home equity line of credit. And so, um, you know, everything started spiraling. Yep. And then the bucket three was already down 30, 40, 50% in the market. And now they were pulling money out, paying 30% in taxes plus a 10% penalty. You have a hundred thousand dollars. Now all of a sudden it's worth $30,000. What a horrible versus if you had bucket two, you could have waited out the storm, if you will, in 2008. Let those accounts grow back to where they were. It's as if you would have never lost a penny and you could have lived off of bucket two to sustain you. So very, very important. Um, bucket two could have bought people time in 2008, time to find another job, time to move if they needed to, and definitely uh, to keep them from tapping into bucket 
three. In our office, we have a huge wall that is a whiteboard and a dry erase board. And when we meet with clients, we always draw out these three buckets and we map out what they have currently and where they're wanting to go. Very, very, very important. So It's a great visual. You'll hear us talking a lot on Retire While You Work about the three buckets of money. And if you call our office and set an appointment, which you always can do, 615-435-3644, um, you'll, we'll definitely walk through your buckets. <laughs> you so, um, well, good stuff. Well, we could uh, we may come back to that. I know we've got um, a bunch of questions from our listeners this week. I want to get to those. But first, Jimmy, you want to play a little trivia? Sure, why not? All right. Know your dough. It's time now for the game that tests your money knowledge. Brought to you by David Adams Wealth Group. And now, here's the host of Know Your Dough, David Adams. <laughs> Oh, thank you for that round You're of applause. So popular, man. <laughs> so many people. Wow. Gosh, I just—I don't know what to say. I'm just. Oh wow, I'm blushing. <laughs> All right, game on, Siobhan and Jimmy. Oh boy, just you and me, Jimmy, this time. Let's uh, see. It's about money. That's what you do for a living. It's actually, and I'm a radio producer. I wonder who's going to win. It's actually not really about. There's a money component in each of these, but it's you're really on a level playing field. Okay, good. Case in point, where's the cheapest place to retire in the world? Speaking of retire while you work, you can retire inexpensively. It doesn't have to be here in the U.S., although it could be. A, is it the U.S.? I don't want to give it away. B, Panama. Santa Fe, actually. Uh, Santa Fe, Panama. Portugal. Uh, Lisbon, Portugal. Or is it D, South Africa? So U.S., Panama, Portugal, or South Africa? Cheapest Ooh. place to retire in the world. I don't think it's the U.S. out of those choices. Jimmy? Um, I'm going to say Portugal. I'll go with South Africa. Well, you are both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that sounded me. No, I'll tell you. That, well, according according to uh, it was internationalliving.com did a study, and it was actually in Santa Fe, Panama, uh, cost on average about $1,000 a month to live. For example, $6 gets you a sack full of uh, fresh fruit and vegetables and two, two chicken breasts um, for several meals. Uh, the town's internet cafe, just as an example, charges $0.60 cents an hour to log on, and a water bill is rarely ever over $3. Wow, $1,000 a month. Jimmy, you ready to retire while you work? I think I just did. Okay. <laughs> I got 1000 right. bucks. Can you finish the show first? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, great. All right, so there we go. $1,000 a month. See, it is doable. You can retire while you work. It's A lot of times we get that question. How is... You know, how, how is that even possible? That, that, yeah, that, we actually yeah. have a couple of clients that are planning on retiring to different... Costa Rica and different places. And, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Different different yep. places around the world. Yeah, they found places where they Dominican can retire. Dominican Republic, I think, yeah, was for, one of them. Somebody mentioned they retire for $2,500 a month and live right by the beach. I mean, yes. there's all sorts of interesting things that are coming you out. You know, for extra couple hundred, you could probably just hire a chef and they can cook it all for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, this oh, is for 1000 Who knows what you can get for 2000 <laughs> I know. All right, question two. Where is the most expensive place to retire in the world? Most expensive place. Most expensive place. Hong Kong, New York City, London, or Paris? Ooh. Those all sound expensive. And I've been to Paris and New York, and I know they are. I'm going to go with Paris. Okay. Jimmy? I'm going to say Hong Kong. Jimmy, it is Hong Kong, and I know you just were talking about potentially taking a trip there. So take a trip there. Maybe don't retire there yet. Yeah. I'll just spend a few days there, maybe. So Hong Kong is uh, is was by far the number one. It was like... 18 to 1 over a lot of the top 10 places. Wow. Very expensive. Um, what is the average Social Security benefit received? Is it 800 bucks, $1,360, 1800 or $2,410? 
Average amount that average American receives for Social Security. Ooh, eight hundred seems low. Twenty four hundred seems. Ooh. Um, I'm gonna say the thirteen. What was the B thirteen sixty? Thirteen sixty, Jimmy. Just to uh, be different, I'll say eighteen. Siobhan, I'm glad you got this one right since we do this every day. It is $1,360. That's the average, which leads into my next question, the last question here. Um, from ages 65 to 74, what is the average American's living cost, including including housing, health care, food, and transportation? Is it 1360 just like the Social Security benefit above? Uh, is it $2,500 or is it $3,030? The average monthly cost? Yep, average monthly cost for an American. Mm, I'm in... What, what were the choices again? Sorry. 1360 $2,500, or $3,030? I'm going to go with a 3000 just based off of our meetings with clients. I'll say $2,500. $2,500. It is C, $3,030, which means the Social Security benefits don't even cover half of the monthly expenses. Nice. So you're going to have to find a way to meet that deficit, hopefully through the three buckets we've been talking about on this show. So it's time for a break. We're gonna, when we come back, we're going to take some of your questions we received throughout the week. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back with your questions in a few. Hello, and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. Thanks for listening on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were talking about the three buckets of money. We spent a lot of time going through bucket one, bucket two, and bucket three. And we'll continue to talk about those each week on our, um, they'll come up in our various questions and stuff. We're always referencing the three buckets of money. Um, now, what I want to do is it's that time. We had a quite a bit of call ins and emails um, from our listeners this we week. We have. We have gotten a ton of questions this week. So I'm um, Hit really, me with look, it. really looking forward to it. So the first one was uh, an email actually from a listener where uh, she is 66 and she's single, a small business owner. She's just filed for Social Security benefits and she's starting to receive them. But she's concerned about whether or not does she does she need long term care insurance? Okay, long term and, care. Okay. Um, and how does that exactly work? She wants to live at home, home health, right, all right, that. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. No, um, and, and I always start a question like this, especially when it comes to insurance. With it depends. I know that's a standard answer. Um, this is a tough one, really, because insurance is changing so much. It's no surprise that. Health insurance, which then would impact long-term care insurance, uh, um, aka nursing home insurance, you know the prices are just going up, and it's you know premiums are going up. It's we've really, seen it's, that a lot. It's a moving target. Mm-hmm. Um, Ten years ago, Siobhan, we did these all the time as part of standard retirement planning when somebody was, you know, Dave Ramsey would say as early as fifty or fifty-five. We'd usually say closer to sixty. Yes. Statistically, it made time to start thinking about looking at long-term care insurance and the traditional long-term care insurance is maybe you could go out, and I'm speaking very generically, you could go and get a three-year policy because, let's say, the average person stays in a nursing home for three years. Um, maybe the average cost is 5000 bucks a month. Of course, that depends. Um, and that may only cost $3,000 or $2,000 a year, and it was pretty standard, but the prices have gone way up. And, of course, yes. this and um, premiums are going up. They're, every five or six years, insurance companies are changing the premiums. People are So it's kind of put the, uh, the business a little bit in a tizzy. This particular client is um, 66. That's a little bit older than we like to look at it, meaning it's just going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, there's two choices. Really, if she's in really good health, I would still consider it because if she's not in good health, it's going to be even more expensive. 
or you just really your other choice is to self-insure and just know that worst case, um, God forbid you get dementia or Alzheimer's, you're in a nursing home for 10 years and you have to spin down your assets and then Medicaid kicks in. It's so the self-insure, that would refer back to some of bucket two and bucket yeah, three right. that, so, from earlier? Yeah, so you end up spending your savings, your bucket two, and maybe even dip into your retirement um, and hopefully you don't end up spinning it all down. Um, but I like the idea of insurance if you can afford it and if they don't really price you out of the market and if it doesn't affect your fixed living costs. I mean, if you're living on... $2,000 a month and $600 a month is going to be your long-term care bill. That's that's not sustainable. So it depends. Right. Um, but great question. Hopefully that helps. Great. Now this one, the next question is actually from a call-in listener who said uh, that they have been holding on to cash in the bank because the market just seems so high right now. Is this the best decision to be just leaving this cash in the bank? And so I'm I'm assuming this is a little bit more than just the 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 emergency fund was my from the call-in. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like it. We got this question today actually in a meeting this morning. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, no one knows. I'd love to sound really smart and pretend I did. And pretend <laughs> you know. And I, I mean, of course, I have my market philosophies, but I'm not. But let's let me be realistic when I answer this instead. With cash and fixed investments are paying little to nothing. Um, that's no surprise. Um, you know, you have to think about that. And the fundamentals are very very strong, in my opinion, in the market now. Even though the political world and everything going on with terrorism and North you know, Korea, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, there's always a case you can make that things are crazy and how could the market be going up? And it's time for a correction. Um, in my opinion, again, the fundamentals are decent, meaning companies are making decent profits. They have a reasonable amount of cash on the sidelines. Unemployment is fairly low. All the things that cause uh, companies to kind of keep trickling along and their earnings to go up are in place. Um, so in my opinion, it's 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 really the best bet in the game right now is to, is to be in the market. Now, it doesn't mean 100% in the market, um, but to have a healthy amount of money in, in a portfolio. So um, assuming that you have your three buckets and you have – uh, cash on the sidelines. So you do need to still have an emergency fund, but you know maybe you hold back a little extra cash for a pullback. So let's say, um, let, me, let me do this. If it were me and let's say I had $500,000 sitting in cash and normally I only needed to have a $50,000 emergency fund. That was my sleep at night number. Mm-hmm. I would maybe keep 100000 if I felt this way instead of 50, have a little bit extra cash just because maybe I'm feeling like the market's going to pull back and I don't want it all all exposed. And I would invest the $400,000, but that $400,000 doesn't have to be invested 100% in stocks. It could be in a, a lot of people assume investing means that you're full throttle 100%. Right. And and we have models. We put, I'd put that in a 65-35 model, maybe 65% in the market, 35% in conservative investments. And then you've got a little extra cash. you still got 35% of your, of your portfolio that's not in the mar- stock. So if the stock market falls, that money more than likely is fairly consistent. Um, and then you still have drop powder on the sidelines to throw more money into stocks at an opportunistic time. So that's the way I'd approach it. I wouldn't do it out of fear. I wouldn't put all your money in cash. Beware of the crowd at extremes, but have a little extra drop powder in times like this. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I remember you also talking in the client meeting about you can even come up as long as you come up with a plan, you can do a little bit every month or or a little bit every quarter or whatever. Just kind of come right. up with a plan of how to get that dry powder working for you. Absolutely. Well, Sean, you listen to me in our meetings. <laughs> <laughs> right, I got to give you a raise. All right. Next, next, uh, next question or email. All right. So this next one, I'm really interested to hear your answer on. This was also from a listener who um, he owns 30 rental properties around town. They have their emergency fund with roughly a hundred thousand or so, a middle bucket um, with a five hundred thousand, 
but they have very little in retirement accounts. So bucket three. No, okay. no bucket three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Their current advisor has suggested they do that SEP, um, which is a part in bucket three. Um, but this particular um, listener doesn't really see the point in in regards to tax advantages. Do they really need to do a SEP? Do they really okay. need to be doing retirement accounts with all these rental properties that are going to be generating income for them? Yep. Kind of all over the mark. Yes, yes, they do. Um, you so were quick on the draw yeah, with that one. The well, other questions, you're like, ah, I this would one, agree, you're quick. I would agree with this person's uh, financial advisor, tax accountant, whoever gave them this information. Um, so a lot of times someone will say, well, you know, I make too much money. I have all these rental properties or I have this high income. I'm not going to get any tax advantages. Now, it's it's very true. A lot of times, a lot of things get pulled away the more money you make, but not with a SEP. Um, almost Nearly everyone can get a tax advantage from a SEP. If you qualify to do a SEP and you're self-employed, you're able to foot in the full amount, $54,000 this year. I mean, it's like it costs you $35,000 because if you're in a 40, 40% bracket, I'm not doing the math on that, but it's probably around $35,000 net. It's going to save you about twenty in taxes. So where else can you go and invest 35000 and start off with 54000 Yes, um, I think everybody needs to have bucket three. Um, it's a balance of tax savings and also having some money growing tax deferred. Yes, it's 59 and a half money. But you have bucket one and two for liquidity if you need them, if you're following our three-bucket approach. So, um, yes, that's how I'd answer that. Wow. Next, next question. Yeah. So, uh, this one came from an email from a, a, never, a different listener. I told you we had a lot of questions this past These week. good. So, um, this one was like, I know you talk a lot about fear on the show, but there seems to be so much <clears throat> anger also in politics, and nobody what? seems to get along. <laughs> I'm 62, and I'm terrified speaking of fear, that Social Security will be taken away before I reach my full retirement age of 67. Is this really going to happen, or should I just take Social Security now at age 62? Well, this is a question we get all the time. And Siobhan, you've heard me say this a million times. um, Never make decisions out of fear. Now, that's easier said than done. And of course, we're humans, and we're wired that way. And that's why we have friends or counselors or therapists. We have a team of wealth advisors to kind of talk through things. That's why we do money therapists, if you will. Um, Most people take Social Security out at 62, but that's usually because of they are fearful and they think it's going away or they don't have the accurate information or they haven't had an advisor or anybody educate them on the pros and the cons. Now, keep in mind, waiting till full retirement age, in my opinion, is usually best uh, because you get that 7 to 8% raise every year for waiting. Um, and also, if you take it at 62 and you're still working and make above a certain amount of money, you can actually get your benefits reduced. A we lot were talking people, about that earlier in the week with a different client, I remember. Yep, and a lot of people fall into this trap. So you don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, if you're not healthy, God, you know, let's say you have a terminal illness. Well, sure, you want to take it early. Um, or if you have to have it, meaning you're living you know, paycheck to paycheck and you just need it, that's okay. Maybe you take it early. But I don't want people making that decision based out of um, not having the knowledge or, or out of fear. Um, so um, typically, um, I'll have a lot of times, I'll mix it and have a higher earner. We'll take it at 66. And then the one with the lower Social Security check, maybe they go ahead and take it at 62 just to go ahead and start getting some benefits now and kind of uh, balance it out. But of course, you can wait to 70. You get the highest amount. So if you don't need it and you're healthy, um, you know, Siobhan, if you could tell me how long everybody was going to live, I could build the perfect financial plan. Yes. Um, but no, I don't think Social Security is going away. Um, politicians that have tried to do it, it's ended up working against them. And so um, I don't see that happening. 
Great questions, and uh, we didn't we get did to all of, of them, so we yeah. will get to them next week. Thanks for tuning in with us today. As always, you've been listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm your host, David Adams, and if you need to reach me or my team during the week, call us at 615-435-3644 or visit us at retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. We'll do our best to answer it on next week's show. Or come by and see us in our office in the historic 12 South neighborhood. We'd love to see your face. We'd love to shake your hand, meet you. I'm David Adams again. Remember, life is short. There are many more important things to worry about than money. And we certainly hope that this show helps. Thank you so much. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. David Adams Wealth Group is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC.